Welcome to Critical Condition, America at the Crossroads, with your host, David Tatman. Welcome to Critical Condition, America at a Crossroads. I am your host, David Tatman, uh, and this is season one, episode four of our program. Uh, as we talked about before, our show will present issues important to our nation and our community without the noise and the bias that you often get through the mainstream media. We research the issues that are most important to Americans, and we highlight those issues over a series of shows. We're focusing on crime first because it is just so prevalent and has impacted nearly everyone in one way or another. So one of the ways to make this program work is we need your input. We will have guests on the show that will bring different expertise uh, and opinions to the conversation. We have a really great one today, uh, we, but we need to hear from you as we dig down into the subject matter. So we're asking our listeners to follow us on social media to join the conversation. We are currently on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, our handle on all three platforms is at CriticalCon187. That's at CriticalCon187. If you don't like social media and you'd prefer to email us, our email address is criticalconditionshow at gmail. It's criticalconditionshow at gmail.com. If you have a good take, I will share it with our audience. If you have a great take, I may invite you uh, to be on the show. So our first deep dive into crime, um, we, we know that along with crime, there are other issues that impact Americans that everyone is really, really concerned about. The economy, uh, education, immigration, government, all are things of great concern. We'll be, we're going to focus on crime over the first few episodes of uh, this first season to ensure that we're able to give this matter the attention that it deserves. So when someone talks about crime, the discussion is generally broader than just the commission or committing of a crime, right? You can break this discussion down into many areas. There's crime prevention, law enforcement, prosecution, adjudication, incarceration, rehabilitation. These are all elements of the criminal justice system that we hope to address. So today, we're going to talk about what I believe is that space in between the law enforcement aspect and adjudication. So our guest today is uh, Topo Padilla. He is a lifelong resident of Sacramento, California, and has worked in the criminal justice system for almost 40 years. Much of his career has been operating a family bail bonds business, doing work in fugitive recovery and, and areas like that. For over 25 years, he's worked with bail associations on the state and national level, and I'm honored to have him because he is currently the president of the Professional Bail Agents of the United States, or as we say, PBUS, representing bail agents across the United States of America. Topo also serves on the executive board of Crime Victims United of California, as well as immediate past president of the Sacramento Valley Crime Stoppers. In addition to that, he's a regular guy, uh, and he is an avid baseball umpire, umpiring high school and college games. He is also uh, very involved in uh, politics across the spectrum. And one of the things about Topo you'll learn or you'll hear from in his voice, he's not only passionate about government and democracy, he has always been what is about best for people in this great country. So uh, welcome to the show, Topo, and thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. Um, these kind of discussions are very important to 
to us in our communities and across this country. Yeah. So I wanted to, uh, you know, obviously this show is about digging into those most significant issues that, you know, you heard me mention a little bit earlier. We know from the polling data that that crime is always, you know, in the top five. Uh, right now, it may be closer to the top. But um, we want to dig a little deeper with you, and we want your expertise and your experiences from across the country. And, and you know, clearly your work in associations, you're really in touch as to what's going on. So what do you think has caused this horrible rise in crime and specifically in violent crimes across our country? Well, I, th- I think it, it goes back to somewhere around in the vicinity of eight to 10 years ago when, when this thing called criminal justice reform uh, came about uh, and they wanted to look at, you know, why is it that the United States has uh, the number of people we have in, in state prisons and, and, you know, and then they, you know, allege in our county jails. And then, of course, inevitably, they want to bring race into it uh, rather than just have an argument about human beings. Uh, that's what we are. And um, so when they started looking at criminal justice reform, certainly, first and foremost, you want to look at, well, why are people in prison? Well, they're in prison because we have laws that are made by legislators and or on the federal level, Congress, um, that are rules that we all must follow. And um, so one way to get more people out of prison is to change the rules and to change the rules to be um, softer and send more, less, fewer people to prison. And I, while I, I will certainly, and we'll get into a little bit later on my view of a prison and, and what it should and shouldn't do, um, the fact of the matter is if you, if you have a speed limit of 75 miles an hour on a freeway and you get caught doing 80, you violated that and you should get a ticket. If they later on change the speed limit down to, or change it up to 80, you don't get to get rid of that ticket at the time this was the rule. And right. so I think um, to the, you know, the short answer to that is criminal justice reform was looking at decarcerating people, which again, if we have reasons to decarcerate the rehabilitated, my God, by all means do it. But uh, to change the rules, to be softer on crime, to get people out of prison, has only served this country uh, horribly in the, the rise in crime and specifically violent crime and murder. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. And it's it's particularly bad. I know down here in the south and I know you all have uh, your issues as well. So let's talk about how, can you talk a little bit about how is it that bail has come to the forefront in the criminal justice reform process? Well, just like with anything, when these think tanks get together and they, you know, they, they want to go do a movement. And this one was criminal justice reform. You know, one of the sub uh, subtopics in that was bail. And they, they began this attack on bail and they called it bail reform. Well, it wasn't bail reform. It's bail elimination uh, because that's what it aimed at doing. And they wanted to eliminate the bail industry. And you, and you might say, well, why? It's an industry that is um, not government funded. The taxpayers don't pay for it. It is an industry that serves a purpose to let somebody exercise a constitutional right that they have in this country, and that is the ability to bail themselves out of jail should a judge not let them go. And uh, their focus was eliminating our industry. And they they say because, well, you know, the bail industry preys on the poor people that were predators, that uh, were just taking people from uh, taking money from people when they're in jail and they're in a they're in a corner. Well, the fact of the matter is. Um, we are in a position just like any other business. Uh, we, we have a, uh, a policy that we issue to 
to, to courts that, you know, guarantees a person's appearance in court. And just like any defense attorney or any judge or any court reporter or any bailiff in that courtroom, uh, they're being compensated. And um, I don't know what is so wrong with somebody if they're incarcerated and they need to purchase a bail bond. Um, having to pay for an insurance premium for that bond. And, and so their goal and focus on us has been about the money. Um, they don't even want to talk about what we do right and what we do good. And if they did, and if they would sit and listen, I think that they would take the, uh, the crosshairs off of our industry. I uh, completely agree. I, I wonder, you know, maybe it would be a good idea for our listening audience if you could kind of talk a little bit about you know, how bail works. Uh, you you want to, I mean, you're, you're the expert. So talk a little bit about how bail works. So when, when somebody's incarcerated um, in most jurisdictions, bail is set. Um, they have what's called the bail schedule and this bail schedule, you know, somebody goes to jail and they're, say they're charged with stealing a, stealing a vehicle and, and having burglary tools and their bail is set at $10,000. Well, rather than waiting to see a judge to have a judge set your bail, there's a schedule so they can immediately exercise their right to bail out of jail or they can wait to see a judge. So what happens if somebody does, let's talk about me and what we do. If somebody says, no, I want out of jail right now, bail me out. They can contact us. We're bail bondsmen. And in almost every state, we're licensed by the state, a state agency in California. We're licensed by the California Department of Insurance. And we, what we do is just like car insurance, health insurance, or life insurance, you know, we ask questions of the, about the person that's in custody. We underwrite the bond, just like any other insurance policy does. We underwrite that bond. And then at that point, if we say, okay, we're, we've got what we need to make sure that this person goes to court, we talk then about the premium, the insurance premium for that bond. Um, and in California, there's different filed rates. Uh, there's 10%, 8%, and 7%. Insurance companies can have whatever rates they want to have. I know I just quoted you the insurance rates at my company house. And if it's a 10% rate, for simplicity of talking about it, we charge a 10% rate. So on a $10,000 bond, the insurance premium would be $1,000. Um, they pay us that. That money doesn't go to the government. Um, there is taxes that go to the government, but that premium comes to the uh, me, the bail bondsman. I put up an insurance policy. That insurance policy and or surety bond as it said in some, when you're talking about it, guarantees that person's appearance in court. If they make all of their court appearances, nothing ever happens to that bond. They can, they're they out on bail the entire time they're going to court. If they fail to appear in court, and let's, again, I want to digress and talk about California. In California, if somebody misses court, we have, we're notified by the court, we have six months to return them back to custody or back to that courtroom. If I fail to do that in six months, then the court will enter what's called a summary judgment, and they'll send a demand notice of $10,000 to myself and my insurance company, at which time I, the bail bondsman, pay that $10,000 to the court. If I fail to pay that $10,000 to the court, my company gets cut off. I can't post any more bonds. That's right. And if the reason the insurance company's there... If, if I go out of business, they're there to cover me. You bet. Uh, but if I return them, then all is good. You yeah. know, the policy, it, it would serve its purpose. And that and the, and the dollars that you pay, so the illustration that you gave, the $10,000, when the court gets that $10,000, it allows them to have those additional resources that they may need to dig further and perhaps find that defendant 
to try to get them back to court, right? That's part of the process. I got to I got to say to that, no. no. Um, in some jurisdictions, like, for instance, in California, again, and I, and I know that in, in Louisiana, I know a little bit about what there are. Some states have it when that money's paid, what's called the summary judgment money. Right. When I didn't find that individual, it's um, each each state has its own laws. In right. California, it gets put basically into our general fund. But I want to say something you, you touched on there about law enforcement going out and looking for these people. Um, and I, I'm a big supporter of law enforcement. Uh, I've got a lot of family and friends that are in law enforcement. Um, they've got enough to do. The last thing they need to be tasked with and going out and doing is looking for every fugitive uh, that is out there. Um, I can tell you about Los Angeles County, uh, you know, a, a town of, of 8,000, 8 million people. Um, a few years ago, it was it was quoted on our assembly floor by an assemblyman. There was over 2.1 million warrants, active warrants in Los Angeles County alone. That's essentially saying one out of every four people has a warrant. Um, law enforcement doesn't have the time, doesn't have the ability, um, certainly doesn't have the funding to to go out and apprehend these fugitives. That's what we're for. Right. And I don't know why anybody would want to task uh, law enforcement and or the taxpayers to pay for that if if we can go do it. So to that point, um, appearance rates on on bail are clearly significantly, exponentially better than without, correct? Absolutely, substantially. And and I will say this, it's going to vary from company to company. I mean, you've got some of the bigger bail bond agencies that are willing to take more risk. Uh, you have companies like me, I'm kind of in the middle. I, I don't mind taking the risk, but I'm not going to write a bond that I just clearly know is not going to make it to court and, and not going to take care of what they're supposed to do. And then you have those low risk bonds where they're just, I mean, it's just not going to happen. But I will tell you this, our industry has over a 90% appearance rate, meaning, you know, I mean, I don't explain it, but, you know, out of all the people I bail out of jail, 90% of them appear in court. The great number that I can tell you that I know I have done year after year, I've done this study uh, here, here where I live in Sacramento, we have an over 98%. And when I say 98, I, 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 if I use the real number, might some people might think it's a hyperbole, but the fact of the matter is we have an over 98% success rate in returning people to court. Um, and after we, we, you know, they failed to appear. And, and one of the reasons I'm going to jump to that is because we get their family involved. We get their friends involved. They have skin in the game. They have skin in the game. Thus, if they do fail to appear in court, I'm able to go to their family and say, hey, if we don't get this person back, we're going to lose $10,000. And believe me, a lot of times they're sure quick to help. But the fact of the matter is that when people have their family or their friends on the hook, they're going to be better. That's just that's a lot better than somebody signing a piece of paper saying, I promise I'll be back next week. Yeah, it's a big deal, right? That's the idea. If you're charged with a crime, you have the right to defend yourself. Bail lets you be innocent until proven guilty to be able to go out and be productive back in society. But at some point, you have to come back to the judicial system to deal with it, right? To defend yourself, to plea or whatever it is you're going to do. And that at 98%, that's or, or higher, that's amazing, right? Because we don't need, like you said, we don't need more uh, bench warrants or warrants out there uh, because police officers, well, first off, we're shorthanded. We've covered that in this show. Uh, there are fewer police officers out on the street. Um, we're having a hard time recruiting and training 
uh, police officers. So clearly our role, I believe, becomes even more important when you think of bail and the important role that it plays. So I know you work on the state and national level, respective to a a variety of bail associations, including uh, work you've done uh, to help us in Louisiana. Um, But speaking to you about what is happening and what is going on in California, can you talk a little bit about that over the past few years? Yeah, California, um, obviously being the, I call it the most progressive state, and I don't use progressive in a positive term. Right. Um, you know, wanting to, to, to be the ones that's out in front of making change. Um, many years ago, uh, they started coming after our industry. There was two, there was an assemb- assemblyman and a senator that were at the forefront of, of the fight to eliminate the industry, not reform it, but eliminate it. And, and the bills that they had, uh, at our legislature were aimed at eliminating our industry. Um, those bills uh, went through the legislature and uh, narrowly one of those bills passed. It was Senate Bill 10. It passed in our legislature and uh, was going to become law. The bail industry got got together and many other uh, allies got together and said, no, we cannot get rid of bail in California. It's number one, it's a constitutional right we have, but number two, it's a system that works within our criminal justice system. So with our allies, we were able to get what is called a proposition in California. Uh, only I, There's only a, a number of states that across the country, you can put a ballot initiative on the ballot, the voters can. We were able to get a proposition on the, on the ballot, Proposition 25, and that went before the voters. So in California, you got 120 legislators that make the decisions and the laws and then a governor signs them. Well, in California, us as citizens, we too can put forth a ballot initiative, and we did. We put forth a ballot initiative, said, should SB 10 be enacted as law, and should the bail industry be eliminated in California? And uh, that was a, it was a tough time. I mean, living through it, you know, I've been around politics for uh, a greater part of my life, and, and, and finally, I'm right in the forefront of, man, if this thing uh passes uh, i'm out of a job and some people say well it's pretty self-serving you're out of a job well what in the hell would you do you know that's pretty simple right and we fought and we prevailed and we prevailed the bail industry prevailed by more than two million votes and that says a lot in california it wasn't a you know one of those ones where we got to do a recount by more than two million votes the voters of california spoke and they said no more stop you know we want the bail industry and it wasn't it didn't take uh, the senator, and I won't even mention his name. It's not worth repeating. It didn't take him long. He put introduced another bill that would have just decimated the industry. And this time, the legislators themselves said, no, Bob, that's enough. We're done. We're done with this subject. A lot of people around the country were watching that. And, one, you know, you guys did great work, obviously, communicating and getting that message out. And uh, that was a, a big win. Of course, we uh, Illinois is not a good situation, and we'll talk about that in a in a second. But um, what have you seen that has worked around the country when it comes to fighting the kind of soft on crime policies? Well, you know, I look at um, places like Texas, and I I've traveled to Texas two times in the in the past six months, and I've gone down there and I've visited with bail agents, I've visited with law enforcement, I've visited with legislators. And, um, you know, one thing about Texas, God, God bless Texas and uh, don't mess with Texas. And while you, you know, you have places like Harris County that turned around and it was at the forefront of the progressive 
uh, Harris County and then over in Austin, uh, where they were at the forefront of criminal justice reform and, and eliminating bail, uh, it didn't take those two places long to go, wait a minute, this isn't working. I mean, Harris County and Houston, what a, a beautiful area, just became a crime-ridden community. And, um, you know, I, I have to say this, that, you know, I said it earlier, and I hate I hate to bring race into anything, but certainly these people that were trying to do this brought race into it. Um, I got to tell you, I, I, I speak to the people in these minority communities every day, specifically the African-American community. They don't want crime in their community. They don't want their kids out there being lawless. They want their kids to be held accountable. They truly do. They don't want this. You know, while these kids might be out there breaking the law and doing their shenanigans, I got to tell you, those mama bears, those mama bears, man, you do not want to mess with mama bears. And, um, and, and talking to the people across Texas, they said, no, we're not going to do it. Harris County is, has turned that card around and the bail industry is, is back um, holding people accountable. You know, it's not back to, to keep us in business and to make people pay for a bond. The bail industry, if you were to ask me to use one term that it does, is it's accountability. And when I just termed the fact that these, these mama bears and, and people don't want lawlessness in their, in their communities, if somebody's held accountable for their actions, if they're held accountable, I just pray to the good Lord, our system will do right by rehabilitating them. That's where our system is broken. We don't have rehabilitation programs. They are, if, if we do, they are failing abysmally. And so, you know, that's places like that. Um, but then you go look at places like New Mexico. Uh, it, it, there is no bail left in New Mexico. I mean, one out of 100 persons might need a bond. And what a beautiful place, New Mexico. And, and there, it's just complete lawlessness there. And, and it, again, places like Texas, it has turned around. I know you folks there in, in Louisiana and, and Mississippi and Alabama, uh, those are places that aren't going to put up with this uh, this nonsense, hmm. and it didn't. It doesn't take those places long to understand accountability uh, prevents crime. Yeah, no, I I couldn't. I, I look. I back to the race issue. Um, the re, I've served for twelve years as the president of the school board in East Baton Rouge, a capital city, and uh, I can just tell you that it. There are people who make money off of dividing us racially. Um, there's a lot of love that goes back and forth. I'm well respected in that community and I respect that community greatly. And you're right. They want better for their kids. They don't want their kids, uh, to have to fear going down the street or getting shot on the interstate or what have you. And, um, and, and then the, the, but the big part of it is, is you're right. You, you made the point. There are these organizations, they call them think tanks, right? Faux politics where they come in and say, um, we had a report, the, the Pelican Institute, uh, this, they call them right-leaning. There is nothing right-leaning about them. They basically said that criminal justice reform had nothing to do with the crime wave. But if you read the report that they put out and that the paper parroted, it looks like we don't have a crime problem. Well, tell that to the people in New Orleans, Louisiana, who over three years have had a 120% increase in the murder rate. And let's go further. This year, depending on what happens in the next seven to 10 days, they'll have the potentially the highest murder rate in history in the city of New Orleans. So whatever these think tanks are doing, whatever they're saying, you know, that's what we're trying to do here on this show, um, Topo. We're, we're trying to get people to think and uh, to be more deliberate about, uh, you know, what it is 
uh, that 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 that's going on. So I am going to try. I want to say, can I say something to you? Though? Yeah, absolutely. I, I I took this picture yesterday, knowing that we were going to have this call today, and yesterday on the news. New Orleans crime made national news, which is very, very unfortunate because I love New Orleans. I love coming there and, and hanging out and seeing my friends. Homicides up 134%. Non-fatal shootings up 85%. And, and anymore, it's like when we say trillions and billions, people go, ah, whatever, you know, trillions and billions. Now we're going to have to get into quintillions. That is horrific. It's that awesome. absolutely horrific. And the worst one that I, I saw here and I said, oh, my Lord carjackings up 168%. That's just in New Orleans. And that's because of the shortage of cops that you guys have there. Because who in the hell would want to go down there and excuse me for saying it that way, and be a cop and not having law and order behind you. Go do your job and then you get persecuted uh, by these groups uh, that are just out there for lawlessness. So one thing I'll tell you is one there was a carjacking about a year ago. It was absolutely awful. Uh, They carjacked an elderly woman and when they carjacked her her, her leg got caught in the car and they drug her to death, right? Um, we now have shootings alongside the interstate. So people are just driving along the interstate and gunfire breaks out and they're finding bodies in cars. You can't tell me this is this is normal and you can't tell me that it's good. I'm going to try to play a, a clip here. I don't know. I'm, I'm my own engineer. So give me a second. I'm going to try to play this clip and then you and I'll talk about it. I can't even begin to tell you how dangerous this act is. First, it was passed in the middle of the night with 40 minutes to read an 800-page bill, which is unacceptable. As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second-degree murder, drug-induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. So I just played that for you because I wanted to get your take on it. I know it was a little bit low because, again, I'm my own engineer. But um, that that is uh, uh, Mayor Keith Puka from uh, Orlando Park uh, in Illinois. Uh, he's the mayor. Uh, that is crazy, right? I mean, is that not insane what Illinois is about to do? It is. And I want to, there was a word in there that uh, you probably know I hate, and it's the word cash bail. Me too. Uh, when these thanks, these think tanks got together, they said, we need to create buzzwords just like they do all over the media. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to watch the news today. And you, you see that no matter what channel you're watching, they're using the same buzzwords. I was like, man, the morning template must've got out on what words we're going to use today. But they, uh, one of the words that they use, because it, it's an ugly word, because it has a word cash in it. They use cash bail. And it disgusts me to hear that word because it's not true. What they need to say is they want to eliminate bail bonds because they use the word cash bail um, and they're, they're coming after us. Um, the fact of the matter is, is if, if somebody is arrested and we need to have a guarantee that they're going to come back to court, you could either have a signature, they sign, or a judge says you're staying in custody. And thank the good Lord in this country across a majority of the states um, that we have the ability to bail, people have the ability to bail themselves out of jail. 
well, what are you going to tie it to? Their car, their house. Um, that's what the, at the federal level, that's what they do. They do, you know, they do, do use real estate. Well, not everybody owns a home. That's so right. the fact is, in United States and great majority of the states, you can do what's called a bail bond, not a cash bail. It's a bail bond. Now you can take money down there, and you can pay the court directly the entire amount of the bond. If it's ten thousand dollars, you can take that money down there and pay the court ten thousand dollars. And upon you being uh, done with your case, in some states, you'll get that money back. In some states, they take your fines, or if you have any other tickets out of there, they'll take that out of there too. Well, in places like California and and Louisiana and, and a lot of the states I've mentioned, you can use a bail bondsman. And we don't put up $10,000. We put up an insurance policy, a surety bond. Um, and you pay an insurance premium for the use of that bond. Um, so they use that word cash bail because they know that uh, it's it's an evil word and and it's going to hurt it's going to hurt us and it's going to help them in their fight um, on to that mayor and what he was saying and what they're doing in Illinois. It's just it is unbelievable. They are literally and and the people, again, most affected by this, because, um, you know, if we look at who goes to jails, a lot of the people that are that are standing right next to the people that want to get rid of us, they're going to end up in jail. And if a judge says you're not getting released, you're staying in jail. There's not going to be that third leg, which is in the middle of, well, if you don't get released on your signature and a judge doesn't release you, that you can call a bail bondsman and you can get bailed out of jail. That's gone. Yeah, it's it's insane. I mean, I looked at the list. I mean, you heard what he uh, read, aggravated DUI, which is not just DUI, aggravated DUI, aggregated, uh, aggravated fleeing, arson, burglary. Drug-induced homicide, that's intimidation, kidnapping, second-degree murder. Ha! I, I, I'm, it's stunning. Uh, it's absolutely stunning to me. And I, uh, when I first saw that clip, um, I uh, I thought of you because you said, "Don't use that." tag they put together right that uh and i'm not i'm, I'm, I'm not even going to say it right now you've got you've got me trained topo you got it done buddy uh and i'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen around here either we have a you know there there's a strong bail association in the state of louisiana and and we you know so many of the people that i work with that are part of that system uh, feel like they're an integral part of the criminal justice system. And by the way, pay for part of that system, right? There are dollars Absolutely. that come and they pay for part of that. So, uh, and our, our premiums here are fixed. There are no rotations in premiums and there's lots of reasons why and we won't get into that. But so, so here's my take. Um, we, we have a major issue with violent crime today, and we are not doing as a country what we need to do to address it. In fact, we're, we're, uh, we're deteriorating our system down to the point where, you know, decarceration, right? We just let people go. I don't know if I shared this with you, but I had a, I, th I think I did. I have a, I have uh, two brothers that are convicted felons. I love them to death. Uh, both of them now are productive members of society, but one did 16 years in jail. So it's not like I'm some Republican from the right wing living in an ivory tower and I haven't experienced this, right? Um, we, They would tell you, both of them would tell you we have a major problem that we have to address. And as a society, we're just not holding people accountable. You can go rob a house, uh, go be booked in, uh, get out, 
and they without bail, without anything, and then go right out and do the same thing in the same neighborhood to the next door neighbor. And so we're we're making policy decisions right now without considering the unintended consequences of those decisions. And we're clearly not collecting and sharing data uh, on crime in a meaningful way. Until we hold people accountable for their actions, we will continue to watch our great country decline. And our streets are more dangerous now than they've been in my lifetime, and it's getting worse. I, I wanted to... There's an old movie, and you you and I are old enough to remember this, but I want to encourage our listeners. It's a really good movie. It's called Network from 1976. Do you remember that movie? Yes. Um, and at some point, the, the, the news media, right, which is what part of my problem is that we just need an unbiased uh, reporting on what's really going on, right? And the at one point, the news reporter, and I don't remember his name, he says, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. And he encouraged everyone to go out to the windows and yell it. And if you go watch the movie, you're going <laughs> to, this is a, a funny little note, but the first, uh, the, the producer in the movie, the first city that was reported of yelling out of their windows of mad as hell was Baton Rouge. Uh, so go check that out. I, I did. I remembered it because we don't get mentioned a lot in a positive way. So, um, but um, so I, look, I want to thank you so much for being a part of our show. I know you're a busy man. I know your time is very valuable. Any parting uh, wisdom for us, Topo? You know, I, I do. And I, I just have to tell people, and you just said it, the media, um, we, you know, in California, they say, well, crime is down. Well, let me tell you why crime is down. Crime statistics are down because in California, our laws have been so dummied down, just like you talked about moments ago with all those crimes in Illinois, have been dummied down so far that, number one, if you if something like that did happen uh, and you called law enforcement, they may come. But they're like, well, you do know this is a misdemeanor. You do know they won't even go to jail. And you do know they might not even be prosecuted. And let me tell you something. That is not the fault of law enforcement. That is not the fault of the district attorneys. It's not the fault of the judge or the courts or anybody like her. That is the fault of our legislators. Our legislators make the rules of the game that law enforcement plays by and that we as citizens play by. I might not like all the rules, okay? But the fact is I have to abide by their rules. And it just infuriates me when they turn around and say, well, crime's down. Look at this is down. Well, that's because people aren't reporting it. Because in California, we've become immune to car break-ins. San Francisco, which used to be the second most visited city in the entire world next to Paris, France, you go there and you have anything in your car, there is a great opportunity. It won't be there when you get back. And, and that's because breaking into a car in San Francisco is literally, you spit on a sidewalk, you're liable to get in more trouble. And I really and truly mean that. Um, uh, and so I, I want to say that... Um, Shows like this, what you guys are doing, what the good bail bondsmen in Louisiana are doing, uh, I could go through the list of names, getting out there, and you guys aren't afraid to fight. And neither are we in California. And across this country, I'm working with bail agents. Um, you know, back to the beginning of the show, I, worked with crime, I work with Crime Victims United. I'm, I'm on their board. I have empathy for victims. And I said this the other day. I, I spoke in front of the Board of Supervisors here. And I said something. And I had to turn around to the, to the people banging pots behind me because there's one of their dear incarceration people. I said, what you folks don't understand is this. I'm here representing crime victims because I care about victims of crime. And, and the, what we want as victims of crime is we want people to change their ways. If you harm somebody through this crime or that crime, and you know certainly through murder or rape or, or any kind of a sex crime, 
I want that person rehabilitated. I really and truly, as a crime victim, want them rehabilitated. So now you might ask, well, wait a minute. Why would a crime victims group have a bail bondsman on their board and on their executive board at that? That's because those crime victims and the group that I work with recognize that the greatest guarantee that a person will appear in court and that the victim may seek the justice that they're looking for is if that person's out on a bail bond. And I, and I say that, and I'm, and I'm proud to say it. I know that, I mean, they're proud to have me on their board uh, as a bail bondsman. Um, we are not about throwing everybody in jail and throwing away the key. We are about people going to jail, if they did wrong, being held accountable, and changing their ways and making this country better than it is today. That's Topo Padilla. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle on all of those platforms is at CriticalCon187. That's CriticalCon187. And then our email address is CriticalConditionShow at Gmail. Again, if you have a good take, I'll share it. If you have a great take, you're going to be on the show. So thanks for being with us, uh, and see you next time on Critical Condition. Critical Condition, America at a Crossroads, is an off-script production. <laughs>